We stand in honor of reading of Jesus' words to us today from Luke chapter 6. Jesus comes down from the mountain with his disciples and he stood on a level place. Sometimes it's called the plain or even a prairie. With a great crowd of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch Jesus. For power came out from him and he healed all of them. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, defame you on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what the ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what the ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Why you please be seated, and if you'd like to, pull out one of the Red Pew Bibles in front of you and open up with me to Luke chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This past week, the Grammy Awards for music was on television. And there was a long set, one of the longest sets of music in the entire show. And it featured a live band. And it featured a bunch of singers. And they were all supporting a very famous country music artist. Do you know her? What's her name? Oh, you know Dolly Parton. Okay, you know her. Well, she was also surrounded by the kind of the country hit makers of today, right? The man who was on the stage for the shortest amount of time, the shortest amount of time, he also received a Grammy Award. He received the Grammy Award for the rap song of the year. And so now I'm wondering, do you know who this guy is? What's his name? Drake. Oh, you know Drake. Some of you do. He's only the most popular, most well-known, recognizable rapper of our day and time right now. Big tours, busy guy, lots of money. He wins for the rap song of the year. Does anyone know what the title of his song is? That one? God's Plan. God's Plan. That's the name of the song. And in the music video for God's Plan, Drake is going around using his fame, he's using his influence, his money, to try to improve other people's lives. And so he walks into a grocery store in Miami, and he sees everybody purchasing their groceries, and he says, whatever you want, whatever you got in your cart, I'm going to buy. Everybody's like, yeah. 
It also shows him walking around in the video to families in need and giving them handfuls of cash. He goes to a women's shelter and gets them all a, a gift card to be able to support their lives. He's using his giftedness. He's using his, his influence, what he's been given, to try to improve other people's lives. And in his song, God's Plan, he raps about people wishing bad things on him. But he also is rapping about God's plan. And he's saying that I can't do this on my own. See, it doesn't matter whether you're Drake or whether you're Dolly or whether you're you or me. We're always wondering, we're always asking the question about what is God's plan for my life? <laughs> and the hard part, or maybe a better way to actually ask that question is, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in this time and place with my life? This entire series, basically since Christmas, we've been wanting you to know just one word. And what is that word? Beloved, right? We've been building this whole series on the story of Jesus' own baptism. We're saying baptism is essential to how we understand our Christian life. And we remember that Jesus heard this voice. This is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. It's the whole point of this entire series. And we're saying that when we put our trust in Jesus, that we receive the promises that God has given for us. Because easily and often and often and easily, we forget who we are. And so we try to rely on our own skills, our own smarts, our own wealth to try to define our lives. And yet what God says is this is how I actually define you. That's the word, beloved. But it's easy to forget that, which is why we're going into Luke chapter 6 today where we hear more of Jesus' teaching. And when Jesus does this teaching of these blessings and woes, it's a way of thinking about your life. It's a way of thinking about your faith that does something to you. It forces a decision in your life and maybe even for you in this coming week. So here's Jesus. He's just come down a mountain and it says, right, that he um, is standing on a level place, a plain, a prairie maybe. And he's with a great crowd got all these people around him. But notice verse 18. They had come to hear him and to be what? Healed. Before Jesus gives us a bunch of teaching, things to do or things to think about, no, Jesus takes care of us first. That's the first thing that Jesus does. He doesn't wait for us to get our addictions fixed, to get our noses clean, to get our life all put back together in some semblance of order. No, the very first thing that Jesus does is he comes and he heals us. Why? Because we're beloved. Period. Period. There's nothing we had to do to earn that healing. There's just love there. And so Jesus comes in, he heals the crowd, and then, then comes the teaching. And the rest of the reading is basically a collection of blessings and woes. And if you can see them, they're almost set aside in your Bible like poetry. Blessings and woes. And so here's my question. As you read through these, as you hear these again, I wonder who is the beloved? Who is called beloved in these words, isn't that the question we've been asking for the last number of months together? 
And so it starts out, right? And here's my question as you look closer at the text in front of you or as you just heard it. Who is Jesus talking to? Yes, he's talking to the crowds. Yes, he's talking to all these people. But who is he directly addressing? Who is he talking to? What does it say? You. (laughs) Do you see how he personalizes it? You. Jesus is talking to you and to me. And he says, blessed are you who are poor. See, Luke is saying it's not just, um, it's not just about your soul or what's going to happen after we die. No, actually, God cares deeply about who you are and your situation, your struggle right now, this moment. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry because you're going to be filled. Blessed are you who are weak. Blessed are you who are being trampled on, hated, excluded, pushed aside. There's good news here, right? But here's the flip side, is that there's also woes that go along with it. Notice there's always a corresponding one. It's like Luke put them together. He says, woe to you who are rich. You've been comforted. Woe to you who are full. You will go hungry. Well, I ate breakfast before I came here. I'm, I'm feeling pretty full at the moment. <laughs> I don't know if this is good news now. Woe to you who are laughing. I'm not laughing. Woe to you when everybody talks well. Don't we want people to talk well about us? Yes. See, these blessings and woes that Jesus is teaching us, they do something to us. And so what do we do about them when we feel convicted, when we feel like, okay, maybe God's trying to say something to me here. What do we do about them? And so I want to offer you just two little mile markers as we kind of wonder, me too, I wonder, too, about where my plan and God's plan were the intersect, because they intersect every day, but sometimes I don't always pay attention. And so the first sign I want to pass on to you, it's go- it, it deals with your baptism, of course, right? We're Lutherans, and, and part of what Luther was saying is that when you feel like your conscience and you feel like your sin is just driving you crazy, you can just say, I am baptized, and what does that mean? It means that all of the promises, just like we've been saying, they are yours through faith in Christ. They belong to you. They're given to you. And oftentimes when we hear that, it's good news. But of course, Luther had another pointed word for us when he said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance repentance. That's one of those $25 church words, isn't it? What, what does that even mean? I don't, what does that even mean? The easiest definition of repentance is this. It's to change your mind and to come home. I mean, what's your favorite sin? I mean, we all have those things where we feel that we're angry, we're upset, we're jealous, we're petty, we're cruel, we're indifferent. Whatever it is, whatever your favorite one, I have mine. And to realize that when God calls us on the carpet about that and says, hey, hold on a second. It's not just to make us feel bad. It's not just to call us out, but it's always an invitation. Come home. Change your mind and come home, beloved, because I love you. And when we hear that invitation to come home, 
When we come home, it's also an invitation to use our gifts for the sake of someone else. So those are the two things. Change your mind and come home and use your God-given gifts. That is the invitation. Drake is rapping about this in his song of the year. Going back and forth between that tension of the stuff he wants to do and then his influence that he has been given that can change somebody else's life. That's what his video was showing. Does this look like your grandpa? Kind of looks like mine. <laughs> his name is Nick Winton. Nick is a, uh, was a, a financial planner. And uh, Nick went on holiday with his family. He was a, UK, a citizen of the UK. And he went on a holiday with his family to go skiing in Switzerland. Sounds like a great time to me. He goes to Switzerland, and there was something inside him that just said, you know what, I need to go see my friend who's in Prague, Czechoslovakia. And so he decides, I'm not going to go skiing, I'm going to go to Prague. And when he gets to Prague, and he sees his friend, he gets kind of swept up into this event called the Czech Kinder Transport. <laughs> Czech, yes, Czechoslovakia, that back when that was the name of that particular country. Czechoslovakia, kinder, children, transport, as in we're going to try to smuggle out as many Jewish kids before the invading Nazi Germany army comes into Czechoslovakia. And so, by the grace of God, Nick Winton started doing what any other citizen would do. He tried to figure out and called his government and said, hey, we got these kids, we got to get them out of there. Bad stuff is happening over in Europe. So what did they do? He was able to get permission from the government to do that on two conditions. One is that you had a home for every child that came in. And two, that you put 50 pounds, right, $50, 50 pounds, um, in an account to be able to take care of them. Okay? Then he goes to the Holland government, the government of the Netherlands, and he had to um, arrange for the trains that would take the kids out of Czechoslovakia across Holland to the ferry to get them over to the UK to safety. And so he had to argue and figure out how to deal with that whole situation. This is just a regular guy. He was able to get out 669 children out of Czechoslovakia. There was one train with 250 kids on it that didn't make it, got stopped at the border. And history has told us that of that train, there was only two children that made it past, that survived the war. And every one of those parents, of those kids, they were all put on a train to Auschwitz and killed. This is Nick Winton's story. But I want to tell you the rest of the story with a little video here because Nick Winton's story wasn't discovered until 50 years after the war. 50 years after the war. Watch this.
Here is the list of all the children. This is Vera Dermott, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. <laughs> What do you say? This is just a financial planner from the UK? What do you say to that? It doesn't matter that that was Nick Winton and you don't have to be Nick Winton. He lived 106 years. <laughs> but friends, you, we get to be the Nick Wintons of our community just with the simple gifts that God has given us. Because according to God, your story is that you are the beloved and that you have been given an incredible gift. So when we hear these teachings like blessings and woes, may it inspire you that God sent his only son to die for the sake of our sins and your sins, to set you free to be able to use whatever you've been given, time, money, talent, who you are, for the sake of somebody else. For the sake of somebody else. And so, friends, if God has set you free and this is how God sees you, what's holding you back this week? Because we believe in a God who has changed our minds changed our hearts in such a way to say, I have forgiven you. What else is there now other than to use what you've been given? So thanks be to God for each and every one of you. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Loving God, we're inspired by people, but they're no different than us. Human beings like us, and we thank you, God, that our lives are shaped every single day by your words to us, blessings or woes. But yet when we hear them, God, help us to shape our lives in this coming week at work and at school, with our family, with our friends, to know and to own that we are beloved by you and that our gifts, no matter how small, are useful in this world for the sake of our neighbors. Thank you, God, for calling us beloved. In Jesus' name, and we all say,